0: We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. From the capital of the
1: South, this is the Run ATL Podcast. My name is Mike Cosentino getting the grand fortune of hosting you along this audio avenue i do it not alone but with friends my friend and yours in studio today d2 dolomite dave martinez hello to you
0: hello and i'm uh, happy to be here as always so Yes, you are.
1: And we have a special occasion. In fact, happy anniversary to you, my friend. (laughs) Thank you. For those of you who do not know what that means, maybe you are in matrimonial bliss for six decades. We are probably making a little bit of a stretch of this, but D2, this is our 60th episode, and I can hardly believe it. Time sure flies when we're having fun.
0: Yeah, I mean it's been uh what a little over 2 years now. So, well, you think about 60 episodes, you think about the cadence
1: of every 2 weeks, it's easy to kind of figure how long we've been doing this. One of the things I think I'm most proud of, I still remember when we were just kicking around the idea as we were looking at how to better engage with this community that means so much to us and this was just a whim to start with. We said we'd see how it goes and there are so many podcasts out there right now and even more of them that are in the podcast graveyard that maybe made it an episode or two or just six so the fact that we have hung in there for 60 is really really cool of course You and I do it for one reason alone, that is that run ATL community. Those people were so proud to call friends and neighbors in this lifestyle that we embrace. And now that we're at 60, kind of as almost an anniversary gift to our listeners, what we're going to do today is, you know, you and I have both developed questions for each other and our listeners. These questions are kind of what we're connecting to what the gift is. For those who are celebrating a 60th anniversary, do you remember what that is?
0: I do not know. I'm, I'm, I'm single. I do not celebrate <laughs> anniversaries. So, no, I'm not familiar with, with the gifts that occur or whatever uh, the anniversary, whether it's paper or tin or aluminum or whatever yes. it is. And I, mean
1: it's not any of those, interestingly enough. And for those of you that think, well, D2 and Mike are so similar. This is one of those areas where a little bit different, one of Atlanta's most eligible, I suppose. I don't know if we would call that given some status reports. But at the same time, I'm 20 years into marriage. As of 2019, still a long way away from 60, but 60 is actually diamonds. So the reason that I am calling this our diamond episode is I have a list of questions that give us the opportunity to suggest to ourselves, to our own memory as we recollect and to all of our listeners what the diamond is answer is to some of these questions. So we're going to have a little bit of fun on this episode. What I am absolutely hoping is as we ask and answer these questions, you will play back in your own mind. Certain things that you would say if we were asking these questions to you, or perhaps that we will dispel some indications of what you need to do or make plans to do in the not too distant future. D2, I'm going to kick this off with my first 60th episode Diamond Question to You. This will give everybody a sense of what we're going to talk about, 60 episodes, favorite featured conversation, or who has been that guest we've had on that you would just say is your diamond, and perhaps the diamond we gave all of our listeners?
0: Um, so, I mean, we've had some great guests and um, some very informative, and I think – For me, I think my favorite one, I think listening to it as a listener based on the episode and based on the content uh, would be uh, Christian Griffin. Um, It was a very powerful, emotional – uh, conversation. I didn't know that's the direction we were coming into it. Uh, you know, I knew he was, you know, a an ultra runner and had done these ex, extreme type of athlete, you know, athletic type of achievements and 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 runs and um, he was part of that history channel, you know, um, you know, with the military. So I knew that part, but I didn't know about the personal side of it, which was really, um, like I said it was emotional. It gave us a lot to think about, and I think you know. Um it it was one of those podcasts where I don't feel that it was strictly just entertainment. It was sure. truly something deep. I felt like if if there was ever if we ever consider ourselves as journalists, that was the episode that would give us, you know, sort of that credibility. And I'm not saying we are, sure. But I'm saying that's as close as I could say that we would come to journalists or, you know, doing a true a true interview like a Barbara Walters or an Mm -hmm. Oprah Winfrey.
1: Yep, absolutely. For those of you, and I, of course, did not know the answer was coming, D2 and I are doing this unrehearsed and totally unedited, but 45 is the episode you'll want to go back and listen to. If you've not yet heard that, perhaps listen to it again, because D2, so right there where it was very personal, it was not just about... Athletic achievements. It was about a journey. That's far more important than just finish lines and miles covered for me I will tell you even though I consider him a friend now the episode was really really cool because it wasn't just about what he's accomplished This is someone who was an American record holder for a long time took me back to some of the early years I was in Atlanta with the 1996 Olympic Games but then more importantly, I think the way that Bob Kennedy in episode 49 dispensed some wisdom, not just for running and training, but truly for life, for parenting, for entrepreneurial spirit, for business ownership and engagement, for relationships. He just is such a wealth of information. I kind of got to know him in a business context now that he has running stores of his own in other markets, but I have to say, as many conversations we've had about personal things in our respective lives and our own businesses, I just did not expect that level of depth from Bob and that level of wisdom that I could really take with me and start to apply in my own life. For all of you who have not heard that episode, again, it's number 49. Do yourself a favor and go listen to it
0: if you've not already. D2, how about you? A diamond question? Yes. Yeah, so um, so I know that back when your corporate life, you you traveled a lot. And that's one of the reasons why you got started running because you couldn't take your bike. Your shoes were easy to pack. So outside the state of Georgia… Where would you say is a great place to run or a place that you run that you're like, ah oh, this this is you know, this is the best that I could ever say was the best place to run?
1: Oh that's a that's actually an easy question and a great question. So I'll never forget being in a wedding party for one of our team members. And even though I traveled a ton of miles prior to Big Peach running company, I could probably come up with a top ten pretty quickly. I will tell you that Grand Teton National Park and the trail running there is unbelievable. Not only are the places where you're going to stop and filter and refill your hydration pack, the views are stunning. But the challenge is not only something that you feel really, really good about, but it's really doable. Whether you're doing more hiking than you are running or whether you're saying, I'm just going to push it the views the wildlife the day that we had i mean i can still picture it as i kind of close my eyes so for anybody who's not done a trail run or a hike and you think i gotta get to yellowstone i gotta get to glacier i'm sure that is true i've not been to either one of those national parks i've been to rocky mountain i've been to a lot of them out west but grand teton still my favorite and one of the best days of my life and i spent it trail running how about you
0: well, uh, you know, I, I haven't traveled a lot, like extensively. You know, I mean, I've, I've traveled a little bit and um, so I can't say that I've got a favorite place because I don't feel like I've found one yet. Ah. However, I do have you know, a couple trips planned this year and it's a yeah, I've got some good ones. As a matter of fact, we're taping this episode and as you're listening to this episode, I am probably sitting somewhere in Leadville, Colorado. Um, So I'm going out. I'm pacing a a friend of mine who had asked me to go out there to pace Leadville. She's running, you know, the Leadville 100 um, this past weekend. And um, so, as you're listening to this on Monday, she would have already finished at this point. But I'm going to spend some time out there. And so I'm going to be around the Leadville area. I'm going to spend some time in Breckenridge. I'm going to, you know, I've I've got a goal to to to, I won't say run because I doubt that I'll be able to run. Um, But I want to get to a 14er. Yeah, I've read about doing 14ers and all that. So this is 14,000 feet. So we're talking top of mountains in you know, one of the the highest, you know, there's several of them, 14,000. I think there's six or something uh, in that area. So I'm going to try to, you know, run, hike, hike, you know, up and uh, just get some awesome views and just kind of see, you know, kind of like, you know. I'm hoping that that ends up being like one of my favorite places to run. But then down the road in October, I've got a trip um, again out west to – it will be a a long weekend uh, at uh, running Bryce, Zion, and Grand Canyon.
1: That's going to be awesome. So there we have Colorado and Arizona very much in the foreview for you. I mentioned Wyoming. So all of you listening and thinking, man, this was mine. Hopefully we're taking you back a sweet trip down memory lane. We'd love to know what is dashing through your mind right now. Don't forget you can send us what is on your mind and what was a sweet trip down in that memory bank of yours. Podcast at bigpeachrunningco dot com. We would love to hear your answers to any of these questions on this diamond edition of the Run ATL podcast. I'm going to stick with your theme, D2, and maybe bring this closer to home for all of us. What would you say is that diamond location in and around Atlanta to run? Let's start with roads. What is that diamond location for you when you're going to go out and get a nice road run in?
0: Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot, and I can't say that I could pick one specifically. Um, you know, I run around Brookhaven because it's easier for me to step out of my place and just mm-hmm. run around the neighborhoods. You know, but that's gotten kind of, you know, I'd say maybe a, a little old, but it's still a great place to run. Um, I've mentioned, I think, in previous podcasts about that area around Silver Lake, which just mm-hmm. kind of feels like you're kind of in the mountains, but really you're still inside the city. Um, but I also enjoy. I've done runs, you know, through Midtown and Downtown, where you're running through uh, Piedmont Park on the Belt Line, uh, through Georgia Tech campus, down to Centennial Olympic Park, and you know, one of the things that I want to do, that's sort of kind of on a list that I want to do, I'm hoping I can do that sometime this year. Once maybe once it gets a little bit cooler, but I want to do a tour of Downtown Atlanta. And run and see all the different murals that have gone up around mm. downtown, and I kind of want to map it out, create a route, uh, maybe take some photos. I'm actually thinking about you know that would be a great blog post as well or sure. something to share, um, and create a route of that, uh, that uh, you know that sort. So I think just seeing that, I think would be interesting and I, I'm looking forward to that and maybe that will be my favorite place to run uh, just because of the uniqueness and the history and, and, and just the, um, the different parts of town that you get to run through. Well, you've got to
1: do that now that you've hinted that it would be both your running acumen and your photography skills all coming together. A little bit of runtography, I suppose. So I look forward to seeing that. Yes, indeed. I kind of came up with that on the fly. It's perhaps already trademarked. But if not, runtography by D2 coming your way, maybe in 2019, (laughs) thousand will kind of hold your feet to the fire to make sure ultimately we all get to lay our eyes on it. For me, I'm going to say something that may be a little bit predictable, but think about this as about a... 15K Route 9 miles or so. The bottom half of the Beltline from our Midtown store, we're located between 5th and 6th on Peachtree at 800 Peachtree Street. I've done this a number of times now, and even though it's easy to recollect the more recent, I give this that diamond status, whether you start at our store or in Piedmont Park or just at the intersection of 10th and Monroe and taking the Eastside Beltline and seeing all that has been done, all that has been accomplished, not just for pedestrians, but for residents commercially, for good times had with friends and family, but don't Just stay on the east side, but watch the Beltline as it's now coming to life. And do yourself the favor of going through the various neighborhoods all the way over to West End. An easy place to get off is, of course, at Lee & White in the West End. So many things to do, whether you're traveling from west to east or east to west. Right now, I am traditionally taking a Lyft or an Uber back to where I started. That way I get my nine or nine and a half miles without having to turn around and do it all over again, but it allows me to then perhaps cool down and enjoy some of the fun that exists on both sides. Now, in fact, D2, next question, I'm going to ask you, what is your diamond when it comes to a post-run consideration? Is there something that is just part of your post-run routine or has been in the past you're like It does not get any sweeter as a reward for getting my mileage in than this.
0: Well, I used to have a I would say it was it was more of a post bike or post training like really long um, you know the, we had a group that we used to train with when I was down living in Florida, and we would go mountain biking and we 'd do a variety of different things when we were training for um, adventure races and there was always a taco bell you know somewhere nearby. So it was always you know you gotta you know get that protein back in right and so it was like bean burritos and and they were really you know you were talking what they were like probably like sixty nine cents back then you know seventy nine cents or, so that was that was kind of like the the go to and it's it's still something I remember I don't do that now anymore I don't really have a post race or post run um, you know type of plan I just you know I think if anything it's like I get home I try to eat something I should be eating some sort of protein or some sort of recovery drink right after I'm done, uh, you know, a long run. I mean I did a 11-miler out at uh, Soap Creek last weekend and I had a great run and I didn't eat anything afterwards until I got home and I can't remember exactly what I had. So but I do recall having a nap at some point. <laughs> so I think the nap might be the post-run the diamond plan. Answer. That's a diamond the answer. The
1: post-run yeah. fun is a nap. I'm going to go in a completely different direction. I'm going to inject caffeine into that post-run diamond experience. There is nothing for me that is more enjoyable than getting those miles in and then having a dark roast and a well-put-together scone. It is just – Top notch as far as I'm concerned, some of my favorite places to do it. Victory Creek in Roswell, awesome, awesome place when you like your miles off-road and then land of a thousand hills. Such an easy trip either on foot or getting in your car from the mill. More recently, big shout out to Little Tart Bakery and Summer Hill. Been doing a lot of miles, mentioned earlier the belt line. This place has not been open long. The buckwheat scone is awesome. Plenty of parking. So I've been starting and then finishing my runs there over on the east side big shout out to inman perk i love freedom parkway that's one of my favorite places you mentioned d2 your fascination coming up that we all will get to see downtown i love running downtown midtown and then freedom parkway and finishing at inman perk the coffee and the scone selection there also out of this world so for me that diamond experience if somebody says do they want to make sure i'm doing the right thing On a morning run, make sure it finishes with a dark roast and a scone. Try some of those places or think about what your own routine that is favored by you. Share it with us and perhaps I'll get a little bit more creative and we'll get D2 up from his nap with something (laughs) else that he'll put on his list. D2, what do you say?
0: Well, uh, so question for you now is, um, you know, what workout or training plan would you say has been the best for you? Um, that has given you uh, either a significant PR or has you've seen the significant gain in your performance.
1: So I'm going to go back to when I was running marathons very consistently, and this is not necessarily a suggestion for others. It's certainly not advice. It's not scientifically proven by any stretch. It's not even perhaps – suggested for someone who has a lot of experience because I think everybody as they really are starting to find some of those or trying to find some of those incremental gains has to look at it truly through the lens of of what they've learned but for me the best advice that I was given and ultimately found to be very true had to do with really bulking my mileage and not tapering to any great degree so to be very very specific my three best marathon times. And my marathon PR were all with weeks leading into the race of 75 or more mileage. So when a lot of people are saying, well, I'm going to take that week before the marathon and I'm going to rest, I'm going to kind of, you know, get off my feet and make sure I'm getting my calories and getting my Zs. I would say, yep, for sure do that. But When I ran my marathon PR, after seeing this work somewhat accidentally when I was training for ultras, I would run 15 miles five days in a row, I would take a day off, and then I would run my full marathon, and to this day, my marathon PR and my other three fastest marathons were all parts of 100-mile weeks with only one day off and what most people would consider a zero taper consideration. So I'd throw that out there as when somebody suggested it for me, it just worked for me, but it's a personal consideration. You look at me like, don't tell everybody this. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. So that was something that was suggested to you? Somebody said, look, if you're training for an ultra, you got to start banking big miles, and you can now figure out that marathons become those ways to bulk miles, and it's possible you'll see an improvement in your marathon time.
0: Okay, So, but it, it was designed to get you ready for – Ultras not necessarily as a way to get you a marathon PR. Until that one time when I wanted the marathon PR, I'm like, gosh, maybe
1: it's not a fluke. So you accidentally I'm... kind of stumble into that yes. based on the results. Exactly, the advice was for ultras. But then I repurposed it when I wanted to run that marathon PR. And just to be even more specific, I was at just a little bit over two hours and 50 minutes. So it's not like I was Olympic. Nobody has to worry about finding me on the course on February 29, 2020, but I wanted to get below that two hours and 50 minutes. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to put the mileage, in. I'm going to do the training. And then that last week, I'm going to do the five times 15, five days in a row, day off, and then cut it loose. And sure enough, I was at 249.
0: That's, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know that that would work for everyone. I would agree. So, I, I, so you know, try it on your own if you want, <laughs> but, you know, extreme caution because that is not what I would say would be yes. conventional training advice by most coaches. I think everyone is unique and everyone has kind of their own, you know, way of doing things and everyone reacts differently to those type of training loads. Agreed with all of that. How yeah. do you
1: balance it out? How about for you? What would be that advice you would share that perhaps isn't quite. As radical or maybe even unsuggested.
0: Um, I mean, for me, I, I've never performed at the level that that you've been. You know, I've you know, I'm more of that you know, closer to four hours than I am to three hours. You know, in, in, in a marathon. Um, but the times that I've gotten, you know, significant improvement. I think the first time was was really just consistent training and sticking to a plan, and that was as a very beginner you know early runner get going into half marathons where I was able to to uh, see minutes come off of my half marathon time, and then uh, yeah my half marathon time, and then on my marathon, my second marathon I pr by twenty minutes. Um, primarily because I in, included strength training and did a lot of squats and lunges because the issue I had in my first marathon was my IT band. I had issues with IT band. It you know, got to a certain point where at mile 16, I was hobbling. And it ended up being that it was just weakness and and a a muscle imbalance because I had not strengthened the legs. I had done the mileage but I had not done anything else uh, to prepare me for that type of distance and the kind of – The way my body would react to being on my feet for that long and especially when you throw in the hills here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was that type of strength training. Um, And it doesn't have to mean going to the gym and lifting heavy weights. We're talking you could do – that's the type of workout you can do at your home just doing simple squats and lunges without any really significant weight but doing it consistently and i 've started to get back into doing that again, and i 'm starting to see some improvements in my time now i 'm never going to i 'm not going to go back and say oh well you know you 're going to see me run a uh, you know maybe even qualify for boston i 'm not saying i 'm going to do that but you know over the last couple of weeks i have done uh, a little bit more of that type of type of training a little bit more consistently uh, anywhere from two to three times a week in addition to what i'm running and then i'll go out like i said i went out to Soap creek this past weekend and i'm looking at my times and I'm going wow i was like there's some my average pace has really dropped off significantly to almost like 30 seconds per mile and it, I'm faster now looking back at when I was training for ultras and doing 50K. So I was like, I'm like, I wonder if I did a 50K around the same time period as I'd done previously that, you know, if I could take, you know, if I can get under seven hours. Because I've been close. I've been like sure. – you know, I've always hit that – been like, oh, seven or something there. And then you start breaking down at, you know, mile 20, 25. And you're like, oh, i got six more miles to go. And you're hobbling a little bit. Um, and I'm like, well, maybe – Maybe I can get under seven now that I've got this. You know, I've got some speed that in, and seen some consistency there. If I continue this, maybe that'll help if I were to get back into, into doing ultras. I'm not saying I'm going to, I'm not signing up for a 50K. Um, and I don't even know if I'm going to do a, a, a marathon in early January like I've done in the previous years. But I feel stronger. Like I go out and when I'm done, I don't feel like I'm hunched over, slumped over. I'm like, OK, I feel I'm walking upright. I'm, I'm, you know, my core is better. My legs feel better. Um, I mean I, when I push the pace, obviously there's soreness that, that comes along with it. So I think some sort of strengthening um, routine, whether it's just doing body weight or, or you know, just strengthening your lower body is going – for me, it has helped and I've remained relatively uninjured.
1: That's awesome, and if you're getting faster, we may have to talk you in not just the runtography, but perhaps a 50K, don't swear it off (laughs) yet, my friend lunges and squats, home base strengthening routines. I don't think anybody's going to dismiss that perhaps like the 75-mile training week right before a marathon. You're listening to the Diamond Edition of the Run ATL podcast. When D2 and I get right back after this brief message, we're going to talk about our favorite local races and our favorite race experience ever. We're going to let your mind wander while you listen to this brief message. Shopping for a
0: runner can be difficult, but Big Peach gift cards make it a whole lot easier. They're perfect for birthdays, holidays, or any occasion to show you support a healthy and active lifestyle. Gift cards are also perfect for the workplace as an incentive, reward, or thank you for a job well done. Big Peach Running Company gift cards are available at all seven locations and online at bigpeachrunningco.com. And welcome back
1: to the Run ATL podcast. You have returned to this special diamond edition of this audio affair D2. Before we left for that brief break, I said to everybody they should be thinking about these questions. I'm wondering what our listeners are thinking about right now. We're going to talk a little bit of local races. There are some diamonds for sure in and around the Atlanta area. So when we think about giving each other a diamond, what would you say is your diamond local race
0: well i think uh, i'm going to answer this kind of two-part because i think there's a difference between you know great race experience and great race and maybe even a great course okay because i think there's two different ones so for me my favorite course has been the um now, now I'm drawing a blank. Oh, man. The anniversary no. blank. Oh, no. I, I got it. The Charles Harris 10K. I could okay. picture it in my mind and I couldn't remember the name. I lost it. So it just shows you – we're not back. Pre- we're not prepared for these type of <laughs> questions. Um, so Charles Harris because it's a downhill course and sure. for me, it was – that's where I had – where I ran the fastest. I can't remember my exact – well, no. I can remember my exact time. For a 10K, I believe it was 4158. So it was like, I don't know, it was like a six something minute mile. I mean, you do the math. The pace calculator. Out. Yeah, I don't remember, but it was like the fastest I've ever run. I mean, that was when I was like in top, you know, peak performance shape. Um, I think that was something like twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. Um, so downhill course, and I, and I. I can run downhill. Some people can't. They just feel like it beats up their legs and their knees and quads. For me, I'm really good. I can take advantage of gravity and really pull myself forward and run really fast. So for me, that's a, a favorite uh, course. I would love to get back where I could perform at that level. Um, so you know, that's, that's been on my list of, of I hope uh, I can I can do that race again. If I can get in shape over the winter – and do intervals and do that type of training i would love to go back and do it uh it was unfortunate that the race did not happen this year um because i did keep a look out for it and it just didn't come up it just for whatever reason it was they it just didn't happen i'm hoping that they are able to bring it back again next year the website is up um but it's doesn't say anything yet so um but as far as um you know, other things as far as a base, best race experience, I would probably say it's a toss up between um, Hotland Half Marathon and Big Pete's Sizzler um, only because of the post race experience. Um, it's the only races that I know that, as far as road races, where there's a gathering after the race, mm-hmm. you know, Sizzler, obviously, they have, you know, you know, free beer afterwards. You know, I think it's Tucker Brewing. Shout out to Tucker Brewing. Right, yep. and Flying Biscuits has been out there in the past, giving out free biscuits. You know, and and you know, and breakfast. So those type of races are great. You know, and then you know, Hot I mean, you know, they've done everything from you know, I think it's almost like a little mini expo as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had you know, you know, Frosties, Ices, and stuff like that. I was you know, at the cheer station this this year, so I didn't experience it. But it's always been great because it's always a large gathering. And for me, I've always preferred races where when you're done, it doesn't, you know, instead of just like, oh, okay, you know, let's just pack up and leave and go home. It's like people get to hang out and to socialize and to meet each other and just kind of interact because that's who the running community is. And I think those are the races that have the best type of uh, experience because we get to, you know, Share it off the course and talk about how was your race, how did you do, and you know get to know each other a little bit better within the community. That's a
1: great point. Certainly more than just covering the mileage makes the difference. For those of you who are wondering if a 41-minute, 58-second equated to a sub-7-minute pace, it does indeed. D2, if that was your PR at Charles Harris – Six minutes and 45 seconds per mile was your pace. That's pretty speedy for those of you who can run faster than that. You would have even beat D2 on that Charles Harris course. You need to find a 10K, get yourself qualified for Peachtree. For those of you who heard Sizzler and thought, when is that race? Let me remind you, every year it is on Labor Day this year. First Monday in September, once again Big Peach Sizzler from Shambly to Buckhead. If you're not registered already, certainly do that. You can find more information at bigpeachrunningco.com. D2 I have to tell you that my answer may surprise some people. It's not Sizzler because I've ever I've never actually run it since we've been involved with it. I've been a pace vehicle driver, I've been at the finish line, I've been in a lot of different roles but have not run it, but it is very special if you think about that post-race experience you alluded to. What I'm going to say is Tim Shore and Dirty Spokes' Sawny Mountain. It's not a location that is particularly convenient to where I love, uh, live, but it is very much worth the drive. And it's not because it's necessarily the fastest course. In fact, it's incredibly hard. For those of you who know Tim does an awesome job put this event on, for those of you who think it's just better with family and friends – I've got some special memories of running that race with my daughter. We always host a breakfast at the Sawney Mountain, the second Sony Mountain race of the Dirty Spokes series at the beginning of the year. That makes it really cool as part of that whole post-race deal. So if you've not done Sawney Mountain, obviously I love to trail run. This is a hard race, but one that you feel fully validated by the time Big Peach Running Company is serving you breakfast. D2, what about not local But global, is there a race somewhere that you would just say it was your diamond experience somehow in competition?
0: Um, for me, I would probably say I would have to say it would have to be Ironman Chattanooga. Okay, Um, makes sense. I I mean, it's you know, first of all, it's within driving distance. but it's you know, and I think this goes for maybe any Ironman type of uh, event is that there's usually a huge crowd of support everywhere along the course. Um, you know, the finish line is pretty incredible. Um, you feel like a rock star. Like you know, you're you're going in that finishing corral, and there's like red carpet, you know, and you know you got an announcer who's calling out your name and saying you know. Dave Martinez, you are an Ironman, so that's kind of you know that's special, yep. right? I sure. mean, you don't get that at a lot of races. It's a huge accomplishment as well. Um, I know that uh, for me, I think that was probably one that um, that was special uh, because it was my I'd done you know it was like my my. Um, true Ironman. I mean, the distance I'd done before, but it was a smaller race. Uh, it wasn't as big as an Ironman as a World Triathlon Corporation type of event. And they know how to put on an event. You know, the expo, the course, the announcer. I mean, that's that's pretty big.
1: It made you feel rightfully so like a big deal right. because it, it is. And now you've got me wanting to say I've got a lone triathlon experience Given what I said earlier about stacking up your distance five times 15, you already know that some of the things I suggest are totally preposterous and perhaps just a bad idea in general. My only triathlon ever was Ironman Florida. I've never done a sprint or an Olympic tri. I've never done a triathlon since. It was just, look, I took a dare. I got to sign up for this race. Ended up finishing Ironman. Never thought about it as my best ever, but now you are taking me down memory lane and hearing you are an Ironman and thinking about the quality of that event Gives me pause, but I'm going to stay with the answer that was in my mind, and that is Western states. There's just nothing that compares. Maybe for trail and ultra runners, similar to Ironman for triathletes, it's just it doesn't get any better than that when you feel like you're on that stage and you're around that level of competition. I know there are races in Europe, perhaps, for trail runners that certainly rival that, but at least domestically, western states and getting from squaw over to the other side is just, it's an unbelievable experience. Anybody who's not seen or heard much about that race. We've had a couple of people who have been on this broadcast that have told us about their race experience. Go back and listen to Jen and David. Don't have the episode here in front of you, but you can find it. For those of you that were walking down your own set of memories in terms of great races, we want to know what yours was. Was it here in the Atlanta area? Was it somewhere else? Don't forget, you can send us any kind of feedback podcast at BigPeachRunningCo.com. We want to know what your favorites are as much as we want to share our diamond events with you. D2, let's talk product. Big Peach Running Company, of course, affiliated with this broadcast, all kinds of good products that we get exposed to. We've been doing this for a long time, so we've got quite the history. I'm going to take us back. You don't necessarily need to talk about a current product. What has been your best running shoe of all time?
0: Um, so I don't have quite the running history that you have um, to where I can go back and say, oh, well, back in, you know, prior to the 2000s, you know, there was this issue. I don't. Uh, you know, I've only truly would consider myself a serious serious runner maybe for the last 10 years where I started training consistently and actually started paying attention to brands and models mm-hmm. and what I've, 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 I've run in. Um, I, you know, I would say at yeah, you know, at this point, it'd be sort of two classics. I would, uh, for me, I would consider them classics because they were the originals, Um and that was the original Energy Boost.
1: Ah, that is a good one. We have some common ground there. The yeah. Energy Boost from Adidas. Okay, yeah.
0: I mean, I I think and um, and I I may have run my PR 10k at Charles Harris in that particular shoe. Makes sense. Um, uh, so I had great you know, uh, performance in that shoe. I loved the way it felt. It was lightweight. It was responsive. It was cushioning. It was everything I wanted in a shoe at the time. And then it evolved and it didn't, it it didn't evolve uh, in a better way. It was okay. It wasn't mm-hmm. bad. It just was, it was okay. And then the other one was the original Hoka Clifton, which I felt the same thing. Now, I was able to purchase the original Hoka Clifton when it got, Brought out again last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, you know, you kind of have this nostalgia of what it used to feel like, whatever. And maybe I felt, you know, more nostalgia than truly what that it was a great shoe. And it's not a bad shoe. Um, but I remember trying it on. I was really excited. I was like, oh, this is going to feel so awesome. And I put it on and ran in. I'm like, going, okay, it's good. It's not, not quite what, recall. what I re- recall, you know. Um, I still run it. I actually ran it in this morning, and it still feels good. I mean, it's not perfect. Um, but, you know, now there's the Hoka Clifton 6. And I got to say, that feels a lot more like the original did, and it fits so much better. It's not as light as the original one, but the cushioning is it reminds me of what the original was. It has that nice soft cushion feel. I went out um, I mean I think I wore it one day at the expo. The first time I wore it, I wore it at the expo for the Peachtree Road Race and then the next time I wore it I ran 16 miles. So my first run was 16 miles um, running Peachtree and then running back home. That was 16 I think it was 16 and a half miles 16 miles that I ended up putting in Perfect. No issues. And I didn't feel beat up. I actually – That was right out of the box. That was basically right out of the box. I mean I'd only worn it maybe eight, ten hours on the floor of the expo, but that was my first run with it. We just
1: dispense such great advice on this, don't we? (laughs) Just buy your shoes and then immediately go out and put 16 miles in them and after you're done with that – Look into the next week and run 15 miles every single day and then head to the start line of a marathon. That's what you get at the Run ATL podcast for great advice.
0: Well, but, you know, the thing is, is shoes have come a long way. I mean, they've they've improved. They've got they're they're made better. You don't really truly have to break them in. You know, so the old, you know, well, you got to, you know, sort of kind of break them in. You don't really have to these days because they're made out of synthetic material. They're not, you know, they may stretch a little bit, but, you know, you don't really have to break them in. If they're the right fit and, and the cushioning's right and you've got experience then they should be fine kind of right out of the box, you know. You shouldn't have to break them in. Um there's that always that small chance that something may not work. Something when might, s- go, might wrong go wrong. With all this but, great advice. We're but I but I had already kind of heard previously that that was a you know, much better version of the previous versions. So I felt pretty confident. And you know, he's like, well, you know, if I'm going to run 16 miles, I want to be comfortable. And you know, it's like it was a cushioned shoe. I'm like, I'm going to go for it.
1: Well, I will take listeners back a little bit as they recollect their own, especially for those of you who can travel back a few years, maybe a few decades. We'd love to know what your favorite shoe of all time is, D2. You did give me something to think about again because I, too, was a big fan of that original Energy Boost. We hear all the time in our stores, man, they changed my shoe. And that's true. There are updates that are made usually every 12 to 18 months on every single model. We carry, but there is that possibility, of course, in between the original release of the Clifton and then that re-release of the original Clifton that you changed. And it happens to all of us, and we oftentimes have guests that say, man, this is the first time this model hasn't worked, and they just assumed it was the manufacturer who screwed up that shoe. And certainly that is a possibility, but one of the things we always tell people is, gosh, also consider the fact that we also change. Whether it's physically with our foot shape, whether it's biomechanically with our stride tendencies, it could be something simple as where we're tight or where we're more flexible. So, yes, the shoes will change from model in to model out, but so will we. So a shoe that has worked for you for five or seven or ten years and now all of a sudden it doesn't, yes, the shoe has changed. But give the manufacturers their due understanding that so have you but what i will do to take people back to 2005 2006 from the hometown boys at mizuno usa a shoe called the wave maverick eventually became the elixir then it became something else then it got phased out altogether i still believe that was a huge mistake the wave maverick back in 2005 2006 my favorite running shoe of all time a perfect blend Of cushioning and a lightweight package that was designed for high mileage training everyday use but felt like I was putting on a performance trainer and was just so sweet and my goodness when we say you should always look more forward to putting it on than taking it off that was absolutely the case with the wave maverick for me one thing that I'll quickly say as we kind of go to another consideration as it relates to product for those of you who do have a favorite running shoe right now my goodness if you know that that shoe is for you and you've got a race that you're planning for the fall if you don't know the update date for that shoe you should find out because if you're gonna end up needing another pair to run Chicago in October to perhaps run New York in November to perhaps run Publix in March you should get an understanding of when your shoe will not be the same shoe and when it gets updated and perhaps buy another pair. So you've got that waiting in the shadows for race day if you already know that's what you want to race in. See, DT, we are capable of some conventional advice that is just timeless.
0: Well, yeah. And I mean, right now, I think there's some of, some of the brands are having, uh, you know, with the shoes that are updating, especially those that are that are very close to updating, they're no longer available. There are sizes that we can't even get in. Um, whether it's Brooks or even Mizuno and New Balance, we're seeing manufacturers that are they're producing less of those models to help control inventory and keep costs down. So there's just less uh, margin that's lost um, by having to mark them down afterwards. Um, so yeah, I mean we're seeing shoes that's like, oh well, you know this you know this you know, new model is updating in a month, and we still you know, have people asking for the current model, and it's like sorry. We can't get them you know you you can get a maybe a wide width and a size fifteen you know or, or sixteen, but you know you can't get a you know a, a men's ten in a normal width because it's no longer available it's like how you know it used to be you could, that was never a case nowadays it's it's becoming common occurrence.
1: That is very true. Great advice. Don't let that happen to you, dear listener. Make sure you're prepared and you know these dates and don't wait into that final month or so to the update cycle because D2 is very, very right. Inventory in a lot of places right now, super scarce. Been big fun for our buyers, of course, if they figure that out. All right, D2, you and I cover a lot of ground in and around the Atlanta area. I'm going to actually give you my answer first, but I'm going to let you provide maybe additional context or your own perhaps even hugely different answer. What is that location in the greater Atlanta area that you just feel the pedestrian active lifestyle not only is alive and well, but is really, really being catered to kind of in diamond service levels? And I'm going to give a shout out. We don't even have a store in this community, although it is in between our Alpharetta store on Windward Parkway and our Marietta store in East Cobb. And I'm going to shout out to all the Roswellians out there. I love some of the accommodations for pedestrians along the river, some trails that are part of the National Park Service, and then wider sidewalks, a great local race scene, and seemingly both administration within City Hall as well as residents and businesses that are very very committed to the city and the area in the city being pedestrian friendly so if you were gonna say what's that diamond level location pedestrian active lifestyle gosh there's so many places to choose from but I'm gonna say the diamond right now goes to Roswell GA how about you
0: um, so I mean I've I've run out uh, in the Roswell area um, and I do I do know that area by the river. Um, what is that uh, Azalea Drive I believe um, it is, is. The area. Yeah, so yeah, there's um, you know definitely a path there by the river uh, and cyclists use that area as well to to ride. Um, I don't know that there, you know, for me the you know, first thing that comes to mind is the Atlanta Beltline. Mm-hmm. Now it's still a long way and I won't, I won't say and I can't really because I don't understand or know a lot about the Roswell area to see kind of what they've done and kind of their, you know, what their master plan is for everything. But I know that they're building and adding um, more trails there. Um, And they've recently put like a boardwalk of some sort, um, especially in the areas where I know that there's – Near the Chattahoochee Nature Center, mm-hmm. um, so it's safer to run, you know, in that area because you're not having to run so close to the traffic. Yep. Some people were running on the roads before they had put anything there, so I think that's great. Um, but I'd say the Atlanta Beltline in uh, the Midtown area. I'm seeing things that obviously we know and have heard about what the Beltline is doing and how it's going to connect all the different neighborhoods. Um, and the paths that they're doing. Um, I've, I've seen recently a a proposal of a plan where they're going to do a a path across from I guess Memorial uh, Drive on that side of the Beltline over I-20 where it'll be a separated I think they'll put a concrete kind barrier, of a dedicated a dedicated lane. lane for for cyclists and for pedestrians runners and it'll be a, some sort of concrete barrier um, with that uh, on that road so that, you know, people can cross and it, it just feels safe crossing. Because uh, I know right now that area is kind of under construction, and you and I have run uh, on there, and we've mm-hmm. had to run on the road and ha- hop on the grass as traffic is getting on and off through I-20. So it's not a safe area right now. Sure. But there's improvements being made. Um, and I would say even Midtown right now, I mean, I just saw something, uh, I think, uh, as, as maybe as recently as today, if not yesterday, where – They're looking and proposing um, a separated um, area on 10th Street Bridge over the connector where it will have dedicated bike lanes and another concrete barrier to where it will have, you know, bike lanes for, you know, bikes and, and, you I guess, um, you know, the scooters, but then a separate area for pedestrians as well. So we're starting to see more of that um, kind of becoming part of, discussions and planning as far as roads and i think it's just going to help you know get more people making the city of atlanta a little bit more pedestrian friendly uh, so we don't feel like we've got to jump in our cars to you know even go half a mile down the street you know so i'd say there's potential there i think it's the the you know it's a diamond in the rough
1: (laughs) that's a great way to tie the diamond back into it for sure there are places, before we get a bunch of hate email, I know that there are cities out there right now that would be saying, my goodness how could you have possibly said Roswell when you should have said, I'm going to give some, let's call them other jewels, City of Kennesaw, City of Swanee, what those are doing what those communities are doing, super super cool, you mentioned the belt line, the route that I mentioned earlier, it's unpaved on that south side, it's what they call the dirty belt line because even though it's been excavated and it's been smooth the tracks have been pulled up, it is not concrete or asphalt yet. That'll happen, but certainly indication of what you just said, D2, and that is the continuous improvements that are happening around the city of Atlanta. When I moved here, I think Atlanta was a generation behind certain places, especially out west in terms of taking care of its pedestrians and its cyclists, but we have covered a lot of ground inside the city of Atlanta over the course of the last decade. For those of you, whether you're inside the city of Atlanta or outside the city of Atlanta, continue to keep the heat on our local officials. This stuff matters, and it is a diamond for sure when you can do it safely, you can do it with friends, and you can do it frequently. That's what we want to have happen. D2, as we come down the home stretch on this diamond anniversary edition, we're going to take a quick break, but we've got the kicker question coming, one that's not maybe as much a trip back into our own memory banks and allowing our listeners, but certainly one of those things that will allow us to expound a little bit on things that you and I think about regularly. And I know our listeners will find valuable as we trade some perspective. We'll do it right after this
0: brief message. You've got the right shoe for you, but maybe you're still getting blisters and your feet aren't too happy. The source of your discomfort may be the socks you're wearing. Cotton is rotten. You need socks made from synthetic materials that wick away the moisture that can lead to blisters. Big Peach Running Company carries a variety of styles and brands, including Features, Balega, Swiftwick, and Nginji. Every sock is buy three, get one free. Mix and match brands and styles, it doesn't matter. You'll save 25% when you pick up four pairs of socks. Keep your feet happy and stock up on socks at Big Peach Running Company.
1: And welcome back to this 60th episode of the Run ATL podcast. D2 and I have been going through our diamonds to celebrate this anniversary episode. We've covered lots of different considerations, whether it be local places to run, post-run plans, products, or other. And as we come down this verbal home stretch, one of the things D2 and I wanted to do was put together a kicker question. We have done that, D2, for those listeners who are fast approaching their own 60th anniversary or perhaps are in a relationship that they hope at some point gets there, they should be saving up for sure. It is indeed diamonds that signify and best reflect 60 years of marriage and matrimonial bliss. That is an expensive way to round out that 60th year. But nonetheless, one that's very well deserved. I've got another two sets of 20 years before I get there, but I better get moving on that savings account.
0: <laughs> well, uh, not as expensive as a diamond. However, you may want to still set some money aside for several weeks. Otherwise, you may be eating ramen noodles. I know I would be for, You know, if I ended up spending this kind of money. But, you know, what are your thoughts on all these new shoes with carbon, carbon fiber plates and they're costing around 200 to $250? I mean, it's, that's a lot to pay for, for a pair of running shoes that eventually you're going to throw out. A diamond, you can keep. A diamond's forever. I believe that is a tagline.
1: <laughs> shoes are not forever. That is true. I mean, heck, we talked about shoes in our past that were our favorites. And yet the Wave Maverick that I mentioned, gone. The original Energy Boost, gone two versions of the Clifton. Now we're in something else that soon will be gone. So you're right, it is not like a diamond. It is not as expensive. But I think the relationship that you've attached between the increasing cost of running shoes and the known cost of diamonds is relevant. And we get this question on a somewhat regular basis. So Big Peach Running Company was founded in 2004. And I remember walking through those doors and having started this business with lots of trepidation and thinking, man, I wonder what it'll be like if we make it long enough that running shoes will be more than $100. And a trip to Big Peach Running Company for running shoes will be something where it is really difficult to get in and out of the doors for less than $100. And we have blown by that. The most popular price point, as you know, D2 at this point, is between $120 and $130. So we're 20 25% above that point that had me incredibly nervous. And now, to your point, we're seeing prices that have exceeded $200 and I don't know where the ceiling is or if we're anywhere near it but one of the things that I do believe is really really critical And, and the other question that I've seen answered now many many times over is the price relative to value consideration where what one person believes is of value to them, the benefits that they will get from it, from the really easy to understand as a true committed core runner, such as it might make me faster or it's going to give me better art support or it's from a brand that I trust with their newest technology, all the way to what somebody might say is not quite as deep or perhaps as likely to be the case with everyone, like it comes in this color or it's reflective of something that makes me feel really good just when I lace it up, whether I get faster faster. Or not, it's a fashion consideration. All those things matter, even if what matters to me is different than what it might be to you or to someone else. But the innovation has been awesome. I didn't know that you could still, here in 2019, be coming up with things that were mind blowing. When I was thinking about the Wave Maverick earlier, that felt like a performance trainer and now the core models, what we call flagship shoes from these manufacturers who we are proud to call partners, they weigh less than the Wave Maverick did as a performance trainer. I mean, we have shoes that used to be 13 and a half ounces that was that core model from a flagship manufacturer that now is less than 10 ounces in a men's size nine. How do you take out 30% of the weight? Obviously it's innovation. There are new midsole technologies, there's knitted uppers, you mentioned the inclusion of carbon. there's the inclusion of all kinds of other things. There's partnerships with brands now like Continental and others that we know from other parts of our life. And so I'm so proud of the innovation that has continued to exist in and around this product that we just gush over. Like running shoes. So the price relative to value equation is individual. And if you're not ready for a two hundred dollar shoe, the cool thing is, is we can be absolutely certain you don't have to spend that money. But if you want to be on the cutting edge of innovation, more oftentimes than not, you're also going to be on that leading edge of where the price point resides. I think it's pretty common that what is introduced initially as new technology that exists in one model ultimately bleeds or seeps into the remainder of the line so if you don't need to have that lightest midsole foam right away if you don't need to have that new midsole material or that new way that an upper is constructed right away you'll eventually get it and you'll pay what is a more common price point for it but if you need to have it first if you want to be one of the first to try it and perhaps adopt it then you're probably going to pay a little bit more last thing i'll say d2 because i want to get your take on this as well and that is we have shoes like the brooks launch at 99.99 still under that $100 price point granted by only a penny and that was a price point that existed in 2004 that is the MSRP it is the current model and we have shoes that are over $200 the thing that surprises me is not just the price increases sometimes they're 10 15% which is far above the cost of living increases that we occasionally get in our compensation or in terms of our property taxes. But what an unbelievable discrepancy that exists in the price of shoes at a place like Big Peach Running Company that only carries what we would say technically capable, high quality models from $100 to $200 plus. It's not this small range from $100 to $120 or $125 anymore. What about you? What do you think about this?
0: Well, I you know, I started uh, working at Big Peach probably right when shoes were at 100 to maybe $110. We were starting to see that creep into 110 and we're like, ooh, you know, it's like things are getting out of hand, you know. Um, but at the same time, I, I look back and we carried the wave prophecy and that was $180 and then jumped to $200 shoe. And I mean we we're like, wow, that's an expensive shoe. And we'll like, never yeah. be able to sell one. Right, exactly. Um, and – you know you know some of these new shoes that are coming out that are they're you know where the wave prophecy was not really a performance type shoe is a more of a feature of new technology and what could be done um I would say very similar to what ASICS has tried to do with uh several years ago they came out with a meta run and recently the meta ride where it's introduction of new technology and new materials and it's a way to kind of showcase it um, you know now it's all around high performance shoes i mean these shoes are would be the equivalent of you know formula one race cars where it's specific to a um to uh, to a distance or a you know a discipline so we're uh, you know and even an individual i mean when you're looking at the nike four percent or next percent you know it's not a shoe that's going to work for everyone it's a certain fit um it's yeah. You know, I've tried both of them on, and it's not like they feel like oh my god, you know, two hundred fifty dollars. These are amazing. They're like pillow soft. It's like there's you know, it's there's it's narrow in certain certain areas where it just doesn't feel quite right. It, especially underneath the arch. Um, it's not for everyone. It's got ha- it's a specific foot shape. It's not it's designed for elite runners and maybe for those that are i mean when you think about these marathon runners who are weighing you know 130 135 you know pounds and probably you know five foot five five six or something you know that's a unique body type that those shoes are designed for so they're not for everyone right you know um and and they're designing those shoes i think for, from two points uh you know you know they're designing them for these specific athletes to beat these world records to get you know, bragging rights as to you know, going under two hours. I mean that's going to be huge when that happens and it will happen. You know? But there's also the marketing goes along with it. You know? It's like who's going to be the first and have those bragging rights from a marketing perspective as far as sales or just a coolness factor. Um, I don't think that the rest of us are – you know, we would call mere mortals would gain a significant amount. Uh, in performance from those shoes i couldn't if if i could run in the four percent i can't see my time you know what was it? i think i ran a 350 or something in my last marathon i'm not going to break three hours just on the shoe alone i mean it's going to take a lot of work so but for those that are looking for that little bit of edge and maybe you're like you know maybe you want to go 340 at 345 or something like that maybe it'll help you you know um but I don't know that it's going to be for everyone. I think the innovation is cool. I just, for me personally, I would not pay two hundred and fifty dollars for a shoe. Um, I mean, I, there's other things I could do with. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd pay a hundred, hundred twenty, hundred thirty, maybe even hundred fifty bucks for a shoe. I could spend that hundred bucks on something else, whether it's you know, maybe it's you know, a, a post long run you know plan of some sort, you know, or meal or something. Um, but I think the innovation is good because eventually we're going to see that trickle down. There's innovation that we've seen from brands like Asics, for instance, when they came out with a metal run several years ago where it was like flight foam and all this jacquard mesh and uppers and all this that you're seeing this now in – Shoes that are priced in the 120 to 150 range. You're seeing it in the Nimbus. You're seeing it in the Kayana. You're seeing it in the Cumulus. You're seeing it in the Dynaflight. So that starts trickling down. Um, you know, I don't know that we're going to see carbon fiber plates in every single shoe in the next five to ten years, but I do think you'll start seeing the cost of that come down. Um and there might be something else. I mean for Don you know, who knows? It's like it'll be the next thing. It's if it's not carbon, it might be titanium, it might be some sort of new space age type of material that comes out, but there will always be innovation and we'll start seeing that kind of trickle down. But for the rest of us who are not willing to pay two hundred, two hundred and fifty dollars for a shoe, we may have to wait, you know, anywhere from maybe two to ten years before we start seeing that in our, you know, lower price shoes.
1: Indeed. Well it's a cool connection to the fact that a diamond we know is expensive and yet at the same time being expensive doesn't mean it's too highly priced especially after 60 years that is tremendous value same thing for running shoes you get to decide what is too high of a price to pay and what is terrific value it is time for us to say that is all the value you get on this episode number 60 of the run atl podcast these are our diamonds to you we thank you so very much for tuning in we'll be back in just two weeks d2 as always thank you for all you do and all you've done now for 60 straight episodes 61 before long but in the meantime we must say adieu we will do so the way we always do and that is may your best miles
0: be those covered on foot hey y'all if you enjoy our podcast let us know If you have topic suggestions, questions, or guests you'd like to hear on the Run ATL podcast, email us at podcast at bigpeachrunningcode.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube.